memorized, it, it would be you, Stu, in my mind. Wait, what name was this? I just came back. Oh, near near replicant. When they released that, they it's in the full title of the game is like near replicant version, like one point four three eight nine. Like it's just a bunch of fucking numbers. Oh, okay. Yeah, here we go. Version one point two two four seven four four eight seven one three nine. Dang, that is that is the official title <laughs> of near replicant. God, there's so many weird stories about the whole near franchise. Yeah, I mean, I've heard some some wild stuff about the the main director guy. I forget his name. Yoko Taro. Um, Yoko Taro, right? Yoko Taro is very very open about why he puts uh like puts girls with big asses and like <laughs> can be closed in his games, and he's like, girls are hot. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I think hey. he's I think he's um on record as saying like I just want to see girls try to cosplay them too. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, I basically you know, made everyone in I mean, Nier, he's Nier Automata. Oh yeah, he, he made everyone in Nier Automata. He was like, yeah, I want to I wanna see people cosplay these, because like, it's it semi-complicated, but it's not super complicated. And it's gonna be hot! <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you know, I can admire the honesty in it. Yeah, I, I was <laughs> him for, yeah, just speaking his mind like that. Yeah. Well, How's how's y'all weeks been? Uh, uh, not, yeah. not too bad for the most part. I remember nothing I like taxes. Hey, yeah, I got <laughs> yeah. my taxes done finally as well. Yeah. Fucking just get real close to the deadline. I was like, oh, yeah, I better do that. Huh? This was going to be the moment where I say that, and then someone in me on the podcast immediately gets quiet and goes, "I have to, I have to go." <laughs> oh well, I. I mean, at this point, since you had already done it, it would have really. I mean, B said he got to it too, and I, I, I don't remember if if Fly said she got to hers, but I would believe that she would have had hers done well before now, just given what I know of your your personality. Sorry, done what? Sorry, taxes. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're all talking about like, oh yeah, we just managed to get them done. Like recently, and I'm like, oh, no, Fly's already had him done for like a month already by yeah. now. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> see, see I did the thing where the way. Yeah. See, I did the thing where I got everything organized weeks ago, and then just didn't do anything because like, oh, I can't find this one T slip. I really need it, and it turns out it was sandwiched between two energy bills. So. <laughs> oh. Yeah. But also, yeah. Anyways, no, you guys <laughs> do your taxes for free, right? You know how to do that, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, God, uh, no. Oh, God, no. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> Honestly, no, but I also don't mind the convenience, I guess. I can throw $20 okay. at TurboTax, though. It's, it's. I'm not going to act like I like having to do that. I would. No, that's I mean, fair. I, like, I, I, I should take the time to learn. I just... I have enough Sorry. trouble getting myself to just sit and do it that easy way with the fucking TurboTax shit anyways, so... Sorry, you get someone at TurboTax to do it, or... No, no, like... no, 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 no. I fill it all out myself. I, I don't pay for any extra shit. I just ah. pay the, like, 20 buck, like, base fee to just, like, ah. let me enter my shit in here and submit it through online, <laughs> and then... Tur- TurboTax, TurboTax has a free version, though. What? Yeah. 
and like sure. wealth and like simple tax, which is now wealth simple, also does that too. Yeah. God damn it. Wow. Yeah, like damn. the the twenty bucks version of TurboTax and the free version of TurboTax are like interchangeable. Well, then why the fuck are they charging twenty? God <laughs> fucking damn it! Because they can. Because they wow. can. They, fucking... Yeah. Well, like, hello, sir. Yeah, would you like yeah. to pay twenty dollars for this? And then behind fucking... their back, they've got a they got a folder that says free, and you're like, "Ooh, I'll take that twenty dollars." <laughs> I didn't know. Well, okay, I didn't see the free one. I didn't know that was yeah, even a thing. Google it. You just, wow. I just, I literally just googled TurboTax free. Well, I didn't it's think like one of the options. Here, here's the thing. Like, it's so like, well, why didn't you just like look up that this thing was there? I didn't know that was a, like even an option. I didn't know. Okay. Like, I didn't think to Google it just because, as far as I knew, it just no, didn't. Exist. Mm. It's fine. I've I well I saved you a lifetime of twenty dollars now. Well there you go. That's yep. fair. CRA has a whole thing of like here are all the different online vendors that we're partnered with that you can submit online and like Yeah. yeah. It's it's like it's a I'm like I did it for like me and my brother and wait, no, it's a bow into uh turbo or sorry, H and R block, but mm. like I um I did my taxes for me and my brother, you just literally make an account and then you sign in with your CRA account and then it just autofills for you and then you click OK and then it goes. So, then... yeah. Uh, my problem is I misplaced my CRA account credentials and I didn't feel like dealing with it. Well, you super, was... super need to find that and not lose that information. Well, you, you can reset it. It's just a hassle. <laughs> I guess. Well, I, okay. You problem do. is I, I lost the credentials after I started using a fucking uh, password manager system. So I've been using that and that's been great. And that's what I plan to use when I remember like get the credential shit sorted out. But like it was like 8 p.m. on like the 28th, and it was due the 30th, uh, right. and I wasn't I wasn't dealing with it at that point. <laughs> Got gotta say, I it's 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 a it's in a secret location. I have a, a hard copy written down list of every single important password because I do because like I, yeah, it's not that I don't trust like password holding systems. It's like you know if I ever like lose my computer or like. I don't know. Say if I uploaded something to YouTube and Google put a strike on it, and so I'd lose my Gmail account. I'm like, oh, I'd be pretty fucked. I'd need all these other things. So, the the yeah. paper, the hard co the hard paper copy is the way to go. That's fair, I guess. Uh, you're not wrong. I mean, well, if I, well, I guess if I really wanted anti, uh, my anti uh, computer life. I, mean, I guess if I wanted to be like particularly safe, what I could just do because I'm pretty sure I with the manager I use, I could just export the password list and stick it on like a USB or something. Check it. It's not a hard copy, but I mean, I could get mm. the passwords out of any computer. Yeah, do the export, check it a few years later, and then see that oh, it exported with all asterisks. Well, I would check it before saving it to the USB. I wouldn't be that foolhardy. <laughs> Just assume that software works. I work in software development. I'm <laughs> smart enough to know that software doesn't just work. I need. To, I really need to learn how to do taxes. I just kind of go with my family. Like we just kind of all bundle ours together and send it to a guy mm. at H and R Block. A guy. <laughs> it makes it sound so sketchy. <laughs> well, I mean, I know a guy. Yeah, I know a guy. Taxes. I know a guy who knows. <laughs> It's a guy. My dad knows a guy. Met him in the back alley behind the dumpster. 
<laughs> He'll do your taxes. Kid. Give him your CRA account. Hey kid, you need your taxes I mean, done. He said he could also get me a cheap passport to anywhere in the world. Charges a cheaper rate than the guys inside the H and R block. And he says he'll take my lungs out for free. Oh my god! I'll I'll teach you guys after after this is done. I'll teach you guys how to do your taxes. <laughs> That'd be nice. Oh boy. We'll just we'll we'll sit down next year and we'll do it together. And I'll I'll just teach you guys. I'd rather you guys just it, like obviously it's only if you have very simple taxes like you're not like self-employed and you're not like you know you don't have multiple you know weird contracts or jobs or anything mm. if you've got like your single t4 i can help you with that yeah i mean for me it was basically just t4 and uh other than that i just had to fill in stuff for like rental payments and stuff for like provincial yeah. tax shit but yeah and like yeah. the trillion benefit and all that yeah yeah you know, you know, um, everyone in Ontario gets an automatic, uh, three hundred dollar rebate. Yep. For uh, the, yeah, the environmental thing. Oh yeah, really? It's pretty. It's pretty sick, honestly. Yeah. Damn. I yeah. didn't know that. And yeah. that um, and also that uh, like depending on, I I, I don't know if all of you are, are are doing a lot of working from home, but like, I ended yeah. up claiming the, the simple yep. version of the the working from home thing just because. Because I was looking at the yeah, I was looking at the more complicated version. It was like I was like, A, it's Monday. I need to submit these <laughs> fucking taxes now. <laughs> B, like I honestly don't know how to like measure measure oh my the God. space I use. Yeah, I yeah. I looked yeah, I looked into that. Okay, like I don't know how much we're gonna go into this, but like okay, so there's the two versions of claiming your okay. taxes well, for working from home. Yeah. The easy way, which is a flat four hundred dollars or yeah, exactly. It's like $2 for every day you work from home for up to 200 days for the year of 2020 mm. for a maximum of 400. We That's all probably. basically claimed that. Oh. Then there's the other version that you can claim, which is the long form, but and you can get more than $400, but that's where you have to calculate the exact square footage of the office space that you use to work from home. And then things like how much water and hydro you used working from home. And that's insane to me. Yeah, that know. shit is fucked because I actually tried that form myself really? and i'm like yeah, okay yeah fuck this also like yeah. there, there's like a supplemental form that your work has to provide you that says like yes we are acknowledging that our employee is working from home and you have to like keep way you have to keep way more records to actually ensure that like the cra might go hey is your living space actually like working space actually 10 feet by five feet hmm? Hmm? <laughs> exactly it's like it's it's such a hassle that like I can't imagine anybody actually going through the trouble of needing to claim their space of working from home like that, that I don't know like for me the 400 bucks for the year like that that's good for me you know see I didn't know we get like uh capped to like 400 I just um these are the first time I really look at the forms because I've never worked from home till like this year before mm -hmm. Well, I think part of this stuff is new for this year, anyways. Yeah, though, the, like this wasn't yeah. like I, I think they normally did tax wise. Oh yeah, rules it were kind as of, well. Yeah, the previous rules were, were were set up for having a home office, and they were set up specifically so that like if you did not have a specific room in your home devoted to work, you mm -hmm. couldn't claim it. Like it it was like like weird archaic rule from mm -hmm. oh everyone has a house right, 
So you must have, if you're, if you're working at home, you must have a dedicated room for home office use mm -hmm. that has no other use was another thing. So that's super fucking weird. That is, really I mean, weird. obviously, yeah. like you said, archaic, but it's even, even for the time that feels weirdly specific, mm -hmm. but no. Yep. It's. Oh, but yeah, tax season's done. Yeah, thank God Ooh. that's over. Yep. Spring and it's uh, spring is here. And it's yep, episode 25 of Balcony Banter. I, I was going to say, this was a very riveting cold opening <sighs> for this episode. Fuck me. I always let them get way too far ahead of me. And there's, there was a point where I realized that we needed to start the show proper. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't want, I, I'm too nice. I don't want to interrupt people. Well, I, I, no. <laughs> I think it's funnier when we just cold open and talk about BS like taxes and cyberbullying. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> well, Everyone this... loves taxes. Everyone wants to know about taxes. Exactly. It's all... Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not the most riveting conversation, but when you like actually try to want to learn it, you can you actually find it interesting. Yeah, it, it is hard. Yeah, sure. it, like like there's a bit of a learning curve um just because, you know, there's that bit of like that mental block of like, oh fuck, it's taxes. If I fuck this up, I'm going to go to jail. But it's really not that big of a deal once you sit down and actually learn it. This is true. You know what else you need to sit down and learn? Who the hosts uh, are? I'm Bias. <laughs> I mean, this is episode 25. I, I don't know, maybe. I, I guess I shouldn't assume they've been here this whole time, but I, I would hope that at least some people listening would, would be aware now. I'm Bigby, by the way. We got a... Uh, yeah, this yeah. week we have a d nice duo feature with us. We got Didgery Stew as well as Invisifly with us. Yeah. I'm hey, here again. I can't hey, deny. Hey, wait a minute. I've seen this one before. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, didn't we do this the last one? There was, I guess we took that week off, but I think this well, was this, the same group we had for episode 24, this, just, this just is, before. This is the exact setup that we had for episode 24, and I was this close to making the exact same joke as last time as, that's me, I'm Stu. <laughs> <laughs> I have expected it, actually. I, I was thinking it, yeah, yeah. It's anyway. a continuation <laughs> yeah. of last episode. Just keep on rolling. The secret is that the, the these guys um they they record like about ten episodes worth uh, all on one weekend. So what you're actually hearing is like thirty <laughs> minutes after. <laughs> so we, like we're. I like that. We just always act like it's Friday night, but it's never actually Friday night. <laughs> it's so wow. No, I mean, in a Wait. way, there's a part of me that would be like, well, it would set us up for a few. I could, wouldn't have to, you know, just had to make sure to get some editing done ahead of time I, I could, for a few of them. I could, but... I could hear the gears turning in your head when, uh, when Stu suggested that. <laughs> Way, weighing out the <laughs> how doable it would really be. <laughs> I don't so know. None, but then like my soul would die. But yeah, like having care. having a few just kind of set aside. You know, I mean, like last week we had to take a week off. We could have put something out then. Oh yeah, it's always nice to have a couple, uh, yeah, on the back burner, like you say, stored up. I mean, I was gonna say I don't know if it's good to let so much, so much of you know, letting people uh, peek behind the curtain, but I mean, anyways, we just gotta we just gotta show the people some interesting content, really, if they wanna peek back more, there. 
What could be more interesting than taxes, though? Yeah, really. <laughs> taxes, taxes, taxes. Oh. But speaking of interesting content, uh, have you guys watched anything good lately? Nice. Well, <laughs> perfect I think, segue. I think, I think Fly's <laughs> got some 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 more stuff to to throw at us this week. Yeah, yeah we got we got quite the list from you in the pre chat. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Um, I I consumed a bit in the last two weeks. Uh, it helps when we have a break in the middle. Um. So I guess the first thing I'll talk about is I've watched the first three episodes of the new Amazon Prime show called Invincible, and oh, yeah. I'm not sure. Okay, you know how a couple of weeks ago I was on the podcast and I talked about how Pacific Rim the Black suffered from this issue where it felt like it didn't know what it wanted to do. Okay. So I feel like now I can't speak from the point of the comics but just from the show itself it's that problem turned up to 11 and i'm get i'm getting whiplash every episode from how much it's like it feels like a saturday morning cartoon but it's filled with like oh you fucking asshole oh piss oh shit dick and lots of gore like a lot a lot of gore big gore big gore and it's so jarring when it feels like it's just supposed to be a kid's cartoon and it just sort of feels like the characters are swearing and you get the gore to make it an adult show but just Mm. because you're including gore doesn't make it like a good adult show it has to have good characters that are compelling to adults and they feel all the characters feel very 2d in the sense that they are more for a younger audience and like there's a lot of things in the show that feel like they're saturday morning like there's like there's a bully in the high school where the main character is and he's literally voiced with a school bully voice like the hey nerd kind of voice (laughs) it's ridiculous yeah it's the voice i use when i bully you big b all right load bully archetyped a1 (laughs) um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it's it's so jarring. Like, and I'm trying to I'm trying to get into it because I know one or two of my friends have watched it and really enjoy watching it. But I don't know, like I'm having a really hard time wanting to watch another episode when I finish one. And mm-hmm. each episode feels really long. That's fair. Well, yeah. Oh, they are for you like five uh, minutes ish around that. Really? Yeah, I'm yeah. looking at the episodes and the pictures right now. Just kind of yeah. judging by like the pictures alone, I get what you mean, Invisifly, when you're saying like you get Saturday morning cartoon vibes because like the art style, just some of the like the still images that are in here, they do get that vibe. Yeah, but also, very... oops, sorry. I was gonna say it, it. It from what I've seen, it looks very, very much like the comic, which did play with like a lot of like bright color. Like the the comic was yeah. like bright and kind of engaging from that point. And then it was, I guess, like back in 2003 when they made it, I think it was 2003. Um, it's like that was kind of like they were trying to pull a bit of a juxtaposition of like, okay, here's this like bright, sunny superhero story. And also this dude just punched someone in the arm so hard that like 
their entire shoulder blade split off their body and now they're screaming yeah hear, hearing yeah. that and knowing that the comic is from that time period i could definitely see why it might feel the way it feels because it feel it, it sounds to me like maybe what the comic was doing and maybe you could sort of talk to this because i i have no experience with any of this series i'll say it right but I kind of get the vibe that what it's maybe trying to do is like, oh, here, we're going to take all these tropes from, you know, typical, like, you know, like you said, fly like Saturday morning cartoon shit. But, you know, we're going to like turn it on its head by like having things suddenly get violent and kind of like unexpectedly so and kind of like bringing that sort of ideal sort of, uh, you know, typical superhero scenario kind of crashing down. Um kind of exposing like the reality of it in a sense but it sounds like that's maybe not translating in the show as well or at least especially not today where you know we have characters like deadpool that are really big and like movies and shit now right so well it's not as shocking yeah and i guess like the thing that i guess with invincible the show like i i it it does feel like it's you know, like you were saying, like it's try- almost trying to uh, put a spin on the uh, superhero culture, right? And it's supposed to be like, like they straight up have like a fake Justice League with like each character who is supposed to be like a fake version of the old Justice League. Um, and, you know, they're the heroes of the world. And like, I, I can appreciate that to the extent of what it is. But if it's going to be a dissection of the superhero genre, it should, like, it should actually examine that and look into, like, don't just be gory for the sake of being gory and have it just, like, revolve around the one kid. Like, if it's going to be something different, then, like, let's actually examine the themes of, like, what it means to be a hero instead of literally having the kid asking, I don't know what it means to be a hero. Because the, the whole thing is that, like, the kid's like, oh, I want to be a hero like my dad. Yeah. Because his dad's basically Superman. Yeah. You know, like, I, I do wonder, and I apologize, um, but I, I did want to throw out, because hearing this description, I haven't watched this other series I'm about to throw out here either, so I just, <laughs> haven't seen any of this, but I'm just, I, I'm just sort of speculating, I guess. The premise of this really makes me think of that other series that got really big for doing, you know, uh, a lot of stuff kind of trying to it sort of satirize and expose like superhero culture and stuff and sort of not culture, but the which one sort of the tropes and stuff, which was the boys. And that got really big and it did well, a lot of I, stuff. Kind of... Yeah, I, I mean, that I was actually going to talk about the boys where like the boys is doing what it's set it out what it's set out to do yes it's very gory yes there's a lot of content that is specifically for adults but it doesn't play it down like it's supposed to be for multiple audiences it has a specific targeted audience dissecting the entire superhero theme and genre and doing it well by actually challenging the actual question of what it means to be a hero and what it would take to be one if it was like in this like modern setting versus what's happening i find and again like i'm only three episodes in but with invincible it is just feeling like like they're not 
they're not doing a deep dive and it just feels like if you're going to just be superficially doing the superhero thing then don't make it so like gory and adult because it's completely disproportionate for the types of themes you're trying to dig into you know if you, if you put I've... invincible like an invincible comic or invincible trade except for when it gets a bit later in the series if you put one of them next to like spider-man and like there's like all, all, like again it, it's it's the it's the bright colors it's the like oh the superhero suits like the tights and it's like there's nothing in there there's nothing in any of the invincible that i've read especially on the covers that makes you go like oh they're they're doing a satire or oh they're they're trying to make a point with it like it's done by like the guy who did the walking dead books like uh, yeah kirkman i think yeah uh, Robert and, Kirk- yeah and like he is a guy who is a big fan of gore like big fan of like having like having like characters get hurt having like big big terrible wounds appear on people like it's kind of his oeuvre and yeah it goes into this too and like i, I haven't watched a show but i know in like in the comic books like there's like you know parts where there are fights where there's just like huge sprays of blood like everywhere like I I do kind of want to watch the show because I did read this comic back in the day, and at a certain point, it became very clear that he had like the, at least the writing, the overall writing team didn't really know where to go with it. Um, because like there there's a very there's a very big moment that kind of like sets up the interest in the story and for everything going forwards. Um, that I don't think you're at yet, Fly. Um, okay. Yeah, and like. Back in 2003 to 2005, whenever I started reading it, I was like, like I had been told by someone what the big moment was, and my my thought was, oh, that that seems kind of interesting, like, um, because it's kind of like the the basic setup is that like, oh yeah, a Superman like figure came to Earth, and like you know he's he's with that Justice League, he's, he's saving people all around the world, and he gets married, and he has a kid. Mm-hmm. And he is a, and they have like a relatively normal home life, even though his kid is like now developing big powers. And it's like, and yeah, like I think like the boys is a does a better job of that while making its audience pretty clear. And I think another another couple comics that do a better job of like doing a take on. Hey, superhero fights would be terrifying and horrible. Is like incorruptible and irredeemable. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember when I was back in high school. I think I, uh, I didn't find a way to read much further into it, but I was kind of dabbling in comics and stuff at that point. And going to uh, there's one of the comic shops in town. They merged with that, uh, that because they closed down. I, if I mentioned, they're the ones one, yeah. that closed down, and then they mm-hmm. merged in with that that hobby shop that has all the Warhammer shit. Um, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys know what place I'm talking about. <laughs> and the same, um, same guy runs the comics. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because they basically just merged into it, which is interesting. But yeah, um, I remember I picked up. Uh, I think I still have it actually in my in the bedroom. It's uh, yeah, it was like a first issue of both. It had like had the both of them because they're they're basically both the same story but from like different perspectives but that one yeah it seemed really interesting when i saw the first trailer for invincible i actually low-key thought it was that and i was like oh that's kind of neat that that got a series that i realized it was like oh this isn't the same thing <laughs> no um and there's certainly a lot of like 
like looking back at it now, like I, I reread some of the trades I have still like a few years ago. And I remember going like, yeah, this like comes off as like, like a kind of adolescent storytelling at a certain point. Like it's, it was interesting to me back in the day and it's no real, no longer really interesting to me now. So, yeah, well, well, all, all I was, I guess, I mean, to, to say to that, I mean, you know, like I used to fucking enjoy watching the lucky star anime. So, I mean, you know, we all got to grow, we all got to grow up yeah. sometime and, I, you know, and like, <laughs> <laughs> and like just for context, like irredeemable is about like a superhero becoming the villain over time and like i mean i haven't read it myself but like it that's like you exactly said it's like it's the good like dissection that i know i keep i said this like the third time i said it but like the question of what it means to be a hero and i don't know i just invincible is starting to fall short for me but if you say that it's gonna get better i'll try and stick with it there's a point where like back in the day i was like oh this is like okay this is kind of an interesting take on this style of story i don't know if it if it still hangs um god i just want to talk about irredeemable and incorruptible now (laughs) well actually i haven't read everything in those but i remember like the thing that really stuck with me about incorruptible incorruptible being the like a superman analog and it's just what if everything that could go wrong superman's life did and he wasn't like an incredibly emphatic and giving person and everything just keeps grinding him down further and further and further until there comes a day in which he just goes i'm done and then destroys and kills an entire city just to say i'm done yeah, everything that could go wrong with Superman does go wrong with Superman. And then uh, Irredeemable is like a supervillain who saw that like that city get destroyed. And it was like a switch going off in his head going, oh, I can't be this anymore if that's the eventual outcome. Like, like I, I've, I've robbed the banks. I've, I've, I've killed people. I've done terrible things. I can't be that. And then kind of turns himself around into being a big superhero. So that is yeah. pretty dope. I the, yeah. see, like hearing that premise, I'm interested in checking that out for sure. Hmm. Also, has like I'm a big fan of bad superpowers. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Me too. Yep. It's like I I love it when it's something that has like a like a, there's something that has like definite downside and then the the person has to like figure out figure out the downside figure out how to work with it. Um, the guy in Irredeemable um, gets stronger the longer he stays awake, but he still suffers from all the effects of sleep deprivation. Huh. Interesting. So if he stays yeah. up too long, like he'll start hallucinating. Yeah, like, I I like it when there's a bu- a, a nerf to it, you know. That's part of why the JoJo stands and can be so interesting because it's in a lot yeah. of ways what they are. Because mm-hmm. that has a really good strength, but it's like they have to work with the strength that it has and exactly. against the the drawback. Uh, like to, the to, uh, yeah. Uh, to quote Super Eye Patch Wolf, it's why uh, Star Platinum can go toe to toe with uh, Zawaldo, but Jotaro will still get his ass kicked by a rat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for real <laughs> i mean that i i still think that ape had the strongest stand of all it's who the boat oh. ape. 
Yeah. Oh, the boat. Oh, God. Do they, they, do they ever Spray. provide an explanation for why that for why that ape has a stand? No, well, animals they, can just have stands. Yeah, right? I think it, it was. I think that was the first one that actually established that rule, if I recall correctly, because I think that was the first animal we see that has one. But yeah. it, it's a running thing after, because yeah, you have. Well, there's of course there's. Um, wow, the Iggy. dog. Iggy. Iggy. I kept wanting to say Ziggy, but you know, you're right, it's Iggy. Um, Iggy, there's Pet Shop, there's uh, the the Falcon, Um, there's, and then, yeah, the fucking Rat. I don't know, maybe, not any others I can think of right now, but there's at least those, which is more than a few. Yeah, something I need to get, I need to re-watch JoJo again, because I was watching on, like, I was watching it on Crunchyroll with, like, I got, like, a free two months of Crunchyroll, so I watched all of JoJo um, right up until I think it's Jotaro is about to get to Egypt. Uh, oh yeah, or Joseph is about to. I forget. Uh, yeah, one, Jotaro. Yeah, yeah. And it's like they're like they're just about to get there. Nice. Like they're right there, Ooh. and then the free trial oh. ran out, and then oh, uh, oh. and then Crunchyroll refused to take my credit card. That's wow. weird. I've never yeah. had any issues with Crunchyroll. I've been using them since like high school. Yeah, it would just Funimation's say, rough, but yeah, like yeah, Crunchyroll yeah. would just give me just like this yeah. blanket. Oh, the transaction has failed. And at one point, I contacted my credit card company saying, "Oh, did you deny any transactions from this group?" And they were like, "No, we haven't denied anything in the last like thirty days." So like something on, and I've emailed them about it, and they never responded. I'm just locked wow. in a crunchy roll forever. Wow. That's brutal. unfortunate. Damn. Yeah. I think it is on Netflix now, I'll say. But or at least most of it is. Actually, well they have I think I don't think that's even on Crunchyroll. I know uh, Netflix has that Rohan Kishibe uh yeah. special on there now, which was like wild to me. I was like, Oh, I didn't know this was even fucking here. Oh man, Netflix is coming through with some stuff though. A lot of people are talking about Yasuke. I haven't watched that yet, but it looks pretty dope. Yeah, it looks good. I, I haven't watched it yet either, but I want to. I want to. Uh, I've seen quite a bit of hype around the new Castlevania stuff. Oh fuck me, buddy! I am so excited for that. <laughs> I love the Castlevania series so much. Oh my god. <laughs> I still remember when season one came out, the, the fucking four episodes of it, which, don't get me wrong, they were really fucking good, but it was only four episodes, and the end of the fucking fourth one is like, yeah, this is great, let's keep going, and then there was nothing for like a year plus. And it's just like, nope, we're done. Well, it really felt like they had like, they were given a certain amount of money, and were told like, do what you can with it. And if it goes well, we'll give you more money. And it turns oh. out they did well. Oh, they fucking did, buddy. Oh, man, because there's that. There's Seis Manos is another series they animated on Netflix that I watched, which was actually pretty dope, too. Um, and I think they also did that Blood of Zeus one or something like that, which I, I meant to check it out because it looked kind of neat. Um, but it was, yeah, like they, they've been making a pretty good name for themselves, that studio. And I like what they do. And Castlevania is dope as hell. So, um, but I mean, I'm, I'm, of course, I'm, I'm stoked for that. I'm, I'm definitely want to check out Yasuke. I'm, of course, also eagerly awaiting, um, Godzilla Singular Point to come out so I can check that out. You know what I find really hilarious about Netflix is that the fact that they made a, um, documentary about the last blockbuster i I really want to check that out oh i i want 
watched that. It's so good. Is oh, it? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's actually I'm oh, sorry, I'm getting really excited. <laughs> it was actually a really <laughs> good solid documentary. I I really enjoyed it. And um like it, it's so funny because the the documentary takes this tone that really emphasizes like what an actual, you know, experience it is to have gone into a physical store back into the day to like physically pick up a case, hold it in your hands, judge the movie by the cover, read the back of the box. And argue with your friends that this is the one and they go, no, it's this. And they spend half an hour. Oh man, take me back. Exactly. Or like some people like they talk about and like the documentary talks about like, think about those like first dates where you bring somebody to the blockbuster because you're going to rent a movie for dinner and movie at your place. But then you spend like 30 minutes trying to find a movie and like, you know, you pick one, she picks one, you guys meet in the middle and then you realize you guys are holding two completely different movies that are not even close to each other. And it helps you like, you know, figure out what that person's about and you know, the, there's something tangibly like satisfying about cracking open a VHS case and you hear that click as it opens and closes. And I don't know, like it made me feel really sentimental for video rental stores. Oh, kind of whimsical. Yeah. yeah. It's a it's a nostalgia I definitely feel. Oh, yeah. Somewhere yeah. back when I lived in uh, Manitoba, there was a little uh this little video store that it wasn't even like a, a chain thing. It's just like a little local business that we I would uh, go to fairly often. And like I still remember, like a you know, like Halloween night kind of thing. We'd go and fucking bike up, rent a movie from there, and go back and group of friends sit down and watch that. And that's like I don't know. It's it's not an experience you can have. Like it's it's not the same like browsing Netflix as it is being at the store like late evening on halloween night browsing like all these like horror movie cases and shit while there's like halloween decorations all around you and you're in like partial costumes and shit like i don't know it's it's a vibe that like you can't really capture with an app i guess yeah no it's like it's i I rented a lot more uh, way more video games than i ever did movies or dvds like vhs or dvds to completely date myself but like there was also like this really this weird little social element to video game rental where like some some kids would would rent over iterative like days and weeks and weekends like would rent a game to beat it and just keep renting it over and over and over again but sometimes you get in there and like finally get that copy of super mario rpg and like the 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 number one save slot is like four hours before the end of the game and so, like, there's this weird little social aspect of, like, all right, this is kind of like a, like, the cartridge has the save on it. So we need to be, like, I, I need to not overwrite someone else's save until, unless, like, oh, like, like, just in case they're going to come in, like, two days from now and rent the game again. Like, it was a really weird time and place moment yeah. of going, like, mm-hmm. hey, I, I really want to rent clay fighter again hell yeah clay fighter <laughs> <laughs> i i know the game sure enough it's about. gone yeah i still nope. remember that was the first time i ever saw a final fantasy game at a jumbo video and i remember thinking to myself as like a tiny little kid looking at final fantasy 3 slash 6 and going that game looks stupid that tiny little mm-hmm. animal on the on the on the cover is a dumb main character i did not like the way moogles looked back then <laughs> 
That's good. Wow. Like, I'm going to play serious games like Clay Fighter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Holy fuck. I, uh, man, yeah, the video game rentals are real, too. I was, I was a little bit after the time uh where like cartridge based games are really the thing like i i didn't really start playing video games a lot until well it's weird because my initial hit like first time playing video games my parents or my dad particularly he had a, a an original nes and an atari 2600 and those are like the first video game consoles i ever played anything on and i played like on the nes i had like the classics like you know super mario bros with the duck hunt uh dual cartridge there was, uh, I had, like, the original Castlevania, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, had the fucking Top Gun game. Like, it, you know, all that good shit. But then I didn't really play video games again until, like, later on when I had, like, a GameCube and a Game Boy Advance. Like, it, there was a pretty big gap where, you know, I had friends who had, like, you know, a Sega Genesis or an N64, but or maybe even a PS1. Um, but yeah, like, I didn't really have anything like that until then, so... By the time I was renting games, that wasn't really as much of a thing, unless I was renting on something on the GBA, I guess. But that wasn't mm. too often, because you know GameCube games, of course, you had the the memory cards at that point. But yeah, yeah I don't know. I still I still remember it very fondly. It was also a weird way back in the day to like try a console out, because like a lot of the video oh, rental yeah. places would also let you like rent out a, like a video game console for a little while. Yeah, I, I remember going to my local uh yeah video games place and there i don't think i ever actually did it but i just being able to see oh hey you can rent a freaking ps2 hell yeah that's cool because like there's a there's a very there's like a point when i was a kid when um like parents were thinking okay you know what like we're gonna get something for for the kids so we're gonna we're gonna do a bunch of renting and figure out because both my parents are were teachers and so they they knew about the video games they they knew about about the like you games. know kids love the video games, um, <laughs> so they rented um for for one weekend uh, a Sega Genesis and a Super Nintendo with Ooh. a bunch of, with a couple of games on them and like my dad did his research and he was like all right I'm gonna get like NHL I don't know like NHL ninety two on both consoles because like we want to make sure that we if we're gonna get one we're gonna get the one that plays the best for the kids. And I remember there being a moment where my brother and I were playing the NHL game and like my brother, my brother's like guy on like, I think of like St. Louis Blues, like did a big board check against one of my guys and like little red pixels for blood spray all over the ice. And my brother and I started laughing. I just see my dad just kind of frown a little bit. And so we definitely didn't get to Sega Genesis, which allowed blood in its games. Oh my God. <laughs> we instead got the Super Nintendo. <laughs> Damn. It was like, yes, we're gonna let our kids. We're gonna get do the video game thing for the kids, but we're not gonna, you know, let them have the blood of video games. We'll that really watch. was one of the big yeah. differences between that and the SNES, because eh? that was always the thing with Mortal Kombat. Was Mortal Kombat on the SNES was like way tamer because it didn't have all the gore and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, listen, kids, you can watch Tai Domi punch another man's teeth out on Saturday night. Well, for playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs, but you can't watch a tiny pixel man do it to someone else. That's wrong. Well, yeah, I really only ever played uh, Mario Duck Hunt, like those games on the NES. Duck Hunt. 
Oh man. Yeah, Doc Hunt was the fucking shit, man. It was. It was the best. The guns never actually aimed properly, though, you know? Oh, God, no. Oh, fucking hell. Of course not. <laughs> it was the Just 90s. Across the board. No, no. It's fine, though. I was a dumbass kid. I didn't know. Oh, that. yeah. It fun. didn't matter. We had fun. Yep. That that dog was like one of the first great trolls of yep. the electronic oh, age. Oh, yeah. It's. I'm very happy he's a character in Smash. Yep. <laughs> well, actually. He? Well, actually, you know what? I shouldn't even say he, like the the, the dog alone, because the the character of Duck Hunt, from what I've always understood, I guess, is actually three characters because it's the dog, it's the duck, and it's the person shooting, who isn't the, really there. The person that, like us as the player, is considered the third bit. Yeah, it, it's considered the, a three man squad between the duck, the the dog, and then whenever the things are being shot, it's it's supposed to be like the player on the other side of the screen with the light gun. I said, oh, but like, yeah, the that's like the that's the final smash, is it? Where like the like, the reticle comes up? No, no, not not even that. Like anytime you do like the can shot attacks oh, and shit like that, like okay. those other things, like those, that's all supposed to be like the hunter, often like over the other way, or the player with the light gun. I don't know, like whatever. It's the <laughs> the shooter, basically. <laughs> the, dog, the character the that Nintendo and... will never put in their games: the shooter, <laughs> the dog, the duck, and the man with the gun. <laughs> Um. Yeah. Well, I mean, they got Solid Snake in there. That's always my my comeback around. Which, I mean, I, I know he's Konami, but you know they still put him in the Smash. That's still a Nintendo game. I mean, they also got Bayonetta as well. I was just about to say actually. Yeah, Bayo's my. That's thing. actually an even better point because they made Bayonetta to a Wii U exclusive, yeah. which they. Right. Oh no! They, I guess they're porting that over to Switch. I was gonna say I, I, there was a long while where they hadn't done that, which seemed really weird to me, and kind of unfortunate for Bayonetta. I'm never getting Bayo three. Well, sorry, ba Bayo. What the the last the last word just uh, faded into static. Oh, Bayo three. Bayo three. I'm never getting Bayo three. Oh, I, I, Bayo what? Oh, okay. Oh, it, it's it's a bit oh. I'm doing. It's a bit. Oh. Because of the yeah, I, I pieced it together. I wasn't, I wasn't sure at first, and I didn't want to be an asshole, so that's why I repeated myself. <laughs> no, I just baited you further in. <laughs> <laughs> no! Old stew. With his, the old, the old bait and switch. Me. Hell yeah. Yep. I'm Trixie like that. <laughs> Hell Trixie yeah. Stew. Uh... Man, now I'm just like nostalgic for playing some like old video games. I might, I might, I might boot up Stardew. Not that it's old, but it feels. Oh like, yeah, just know, that just eight bit uh, nature. Oh man, well that's yeah. man. I've been loving doing the. I got been doing some emulating again lately, playing some dumbass old shit on from GameCube way back in the day, just for shits and giggles. Mm. And man, I. Emulation is so cool to me. I have so much fun just going back and playing old games again. It really is just being able to like have potentially all your old consoles and then some on your computer. Oh, it's such a fun time. Well, I mean, fucking last weekend we had that tournament. That was a great time. Oh yeah, exactly. We had a nice fun time playing Pokemon Revolution. This. Pokemon Battle Revolution is such a great game. I'm, I'm always going to be perplexed by the branding of it, because they called it that when they could have just called it Pokemon Stadium 
something or other Football for team three or league. whatever. Yeah, that's basically what it was. It, looked, it, it boiled so much from Football that game. Stadium. Well, like, that's the Football thing. Like, stadium ultimate. Yeah, like I don't know. It just baffles me because like a lot of people have fond memories of it, and it's a pretty solid game. And it, but like it's just so weird to me that they didn't just go with the stadium branding because that would have been like yeah. built-in fan recognition because those games are very fondly remembered. But. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, we did a tournament for that with our friend group. That was a real fun time. But um, I'd like to yeah. uh, publicly call out Empoleon. Um, <laughs> oh, 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 my God. Yeah, that was some shit. He <laughs> fucking... That fucking <laughs> bitch and his fucking <sighs> shitty crown that's on his mouth. Like... <laughs> Just missing oh so much. Well, do you want to talk about why you're mad at Empoleon? Because... There is a bit of back, well, not a lot of backstory, but there's there's a bit of context yeah. that could be provided. So in in this in this book, I did like of of the big notes of like what were the big turning points of, of of the tournament. It was like the biggest one I think was definitely the misses that occurred, um, because there were quite a few attempts at seventy five, eighty, and like ninety percent hit chances that like seemed to fail like three times out of five, um, or more, and <laughs> Fucking Empoleon hit one move out of like five attempts. Cause I kept uh, trying to, I believe, hydro pump, which has 80% accuracy, and he missed every single shot. And basically, <laughs> like, he basically killed my team. Cause I was like, I got a shot. Oh, this is perfect time. I can, cause I was placing off against you, right? Because, yeah, you were up against me. Yep. And I was like, I can bring Empoleon. Okay, it's perfect time. Empoleon can take this guy out. Miss. Shit. Be switched. Damn it, I can't get him. Okay, no, I have to switch. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna bring Napoleon back in. He's gonna do it this time. Miss. Misses. Yeah. No. Uh so yeah, I, I hate him and he's never gonna appear in any of my teams. <laughs> Man. But if we ever if we ever do a weird tournament in which we can like curse someone else with a Pokemon, I'm gonna curse someone <laughs> else with Empoleon. I'm not gonna give him a Weedle. Weedle Weedle could would have done better for my team than Empoleon. Brutal. Like, Damn. Have uh, I in the McDonald's drive-thru getting some fries? That's a, I'm seeing a lot of salt here. <laughs> Listen, that that <laughs> apple came out of the ocean and he brought the salt with him. Oh, alright. I'll give you. That's good. But yeah, it was uh, that was a like my my own beef with this one Pokemon aside, it was a real fun. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was a really fun time. <laughs> we were we were not even like I think a full five minutes done from it rapping. You were already posting a fucking like fucking Polyon shit post meme to the fucking one chat. <laughs> you were so done. <laughs> oh man. Everything else on my team did a good job. They they all pulled their weight. They all did great. Ah, <sighs> Well, you can't win them all. Yeah, I, I wish I had something better prepared, but I'll just, I'll just bring just like you know, my just sheer hatred for him to this. Like, I could have, I could have come up with like a real, like a real nice list of all the stuff he fucked up. Like, I could have, like, I could have really gone into like attacking his character, um, and like you know his, you know his looks, but I, I just don't have the energy for it. He sapped my will to do it. Unfortunately, we'll say. that's just how it goes. Man, I definitely, yeah. We all have been... Oh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I was going to say, we've all been there with that 
whatever game we played, like whatever situation we've been in, just that one character that's lets you that lets you down, yeah, and they're just forever on your shit list. Like, have anyone else done the thing where they play like uh, a game of XCOM and they name character, or like any game where you get like a squad and you start naming them after your friends? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep. that's yeah, yep. that's a fun time. So, like back when XCOM, like the the like XCOM came out, like this is you know the the XCOM from like the, like eight years ago, not like the nineteen eighty nine XCOM, but uh, like when that one came out, like oh yeah, but like like some friends of mine and I all got it, and we started naming our characters after each other, and without fail, like. I was Mike. Me, I was the fuck up in everyone else's game. <laughs> like, like a friend of mine had me as a sniper, and like I took like a two health shot at some point and was out for thirty nine days, and like <laughs> just this massive anchor on everyone's teams. Like that stuff's always fun though, because then you get chat messages like, "Do you need to pull your goddamn weight?" And I'm like, "What the hell did I do to you?" <laughs> oh shit. Yep. Well. The legacy of the anchor lives on today. I'll tell you what. Exactly. <laughs> Bring you all down with me. Oh man. Yeah. You were talking about emulation. There's a game that I I've been really wanting to get back to because I got like this big nostalgia hit a little while ago about it. Um, called Star Control Two. Um, Star Control Two. So it's like a DOS like 4X style game. So it's like a strategy and exploration game. That's like, that's basically like a. Like it's set in the universe where humanity achieved, you know, humanity achieved like, like interstellar space travel, and then immediately ran face first into like a galaxy-spanning war, um, and pretty much were like, we're told, okay, there are two sides. One side is um, a group of like basically like an alliance of a number of different um, like species across the galaxy, and the other side are a group called the Urquan who are trying to wipe everyone out, and humanity goes. Okay, I guess we're joining side A. That seems like a good time. Except they lose the war. And the Urquan basically give everyone a choice to either get wiped out entirely um, or get like locked inside, uh, like locked at their home planet inside of like a big laser shield. So no one can come in or out. And so Star Control 2 starts with humanity basically getting like a fringe outpost that didn't get hit by the war manages to get a ship up and running and then sends it back to earth and then starts kind of uncovering what happened after the war and it's just a really really cool like old 4x from like 92 um that like the 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 big thing it does really well is just at like fantastic writing for just about all of the like alien species in the game and coming up with like some really good lore about like just the that universe like it's got like a, a nice big place in my heart from being like a really cool like 4X adventure with like you know some 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 okay early 90s ship combat on a 2D plane. It's like you're playing asteroids, but the ships have different weapons. Yeah. It's it's a very fun old thing and you you talking about emulation reminded me that like I really need to get a, a new copy of that working in DOSBox. It sounds kind of interesting actually. Mm. Man, one That's game that I wouldn't plot. one game that I wouldn't mind trying to emulate and kind and this is kind of circling back to the renting games uh conversation. But um one game I used to rent a lot as a kid was uh War of the Monsters. War if anyone Monsters. knows that game by that title. Hmm. I'm gonna look oh, that up. What console? Uh PS well, I played it on PS2, I'm pretty sure. 
I'm pretty sure that's what it was called. I could be wrong, oh, but wait. it was just this oh. fighting game. Not really a fighting game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I've yeah, heard of this. We just beat the shit out of each other with these huge monsters, and I loved it. Oh, is that kind of like a 3D rampage? Like, yeah, yeah, it is. Nice. Well, see, I look at this. I don't think I've played this one, but I've played games like it because I've played a number of the old uh, Godzilla games that were kind of of a similar vein, but with the Godzilla roster instead of, you know, sort of pseudo, like, 50s creature feature type things, right? So, so but yeah, like, this this is cool. I, I dig the vibe of this. Oh, that guy looks like a super off-brand Optimus Prime. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, that's... It's, yeah, like, just... it's a big robot with red with red and blue main color, so yeah. Yeah, just this 3D fighting game. You just beat the shit out of each other in these, like, city or urban uh, r- urban or rural environments. And it was just a fun time. <laughs> what was... Um... No, I look at that... Uh... That robot, and I think of uh, this is what I think of the fucking. Uh, I'll post in the chat here. It's the the mech from Gunbuster. That motherfucker. Oh yeah, he does look a lot like the person on the cover of the uh, old, video that game old, console. Or... Gynax anime. I don't know that anime, but that guy looks like he transforms into a crawdad. I don't know. I I've watched a little bit of Gunbuster. It's pretty cool. It's a it's a mecha anime that goes a bit more towards the realism. It was a, an anime Gynax did a bit before they put out Evangelion. It does look like a pretty interesting character. He's a big robot. I mean, yeah, he's got a decent design. Very retro mecha type shit, but... Robots are cool. (laughs) robots. We're all just flesh mechs, right? We're all just flesh mechs being piloted by... Being piloted by brains. Yep, just meat Gundams. All meat Gundams. That's just yeah. Dengo. That's just that's all it is. <laughs> He's the ultimate meat Gundam. I've, I'm, I'm really proud of myself that like when I touched down in Japan, like the first thing I said was, "Where are all the robots?" I didn't even need the big robots. I just needed some robots. <laughs> oh fuck! I, I thought this was this doesn't even look like anything like Ghost on the Shell. This looks like nothing like I thought Japan would be. Just There's looks no like one another airport. With toast in their mouth. No one fucking... with toast in their mouth. I don't even see one Godzilla. Not even a fucking Mothra. This is fucking <laughs> bullshit. Is not this? a single kaiju. I will say this: the um those those Japanese crows, they do make that noise that they make in the animes. The uh that ah noise. It sounds like they're oh, saying yeah. idiot. They actually make that noise. It's really funny. Huh. Yeah. That's all right. I, I, I like the idea of birds just shitting on, like, figuratively shitting on people. And literally. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well. That, those are really violent. Like, really violent. Huh. And have you guys ever seen videos of people putting laxatives in like uh, huge amounts of french fries and just unleashing them on hordes of seagulls? 
No. What the yeah. fuck? Yeah, I, I think I think I've seen the exact video you're talking about. Oh, oh wow. my god, that sounds that... If, you, if you find birds shitting on people, funny. That Jesus. that is like super villain shit. Like, that's, that's like really a big, that's big brain shit. That's oh, like wow. how can I fuck up a bunch of people's day? Yeah, big, the, big oh, Joker man. move. <laughs> Well, yeah, that really is like some people just want to watch the world burn. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That's good. Oh, fuck me. Well, we should maybe. I didn't didn't get to like nearly as much as the doc. That's okay. Well, there's always there's always next week. There's always nice. Um, but I think go that's gonna. <laughs> Wait, you should go back to Japan next week. Oh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> next week. I don't know if you're allowed to do that right now, but all right, <laughs> just go ahead and try. I guess. Hey, however, you got that worked out. Cool. <laughs> you fucking. <laughs> this guy, this guy named Pedro. He's got a boat. <laughs> What did you say? <laughs> I was joking, saying it's this guy named Pedro. He's got a bone. Oh, bone! I thought you said he's got a bone, and I thought like this was like he was gonna have to like do some witchcraft or voodoo to get me over to Japan. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna blood Doctor Pedro. He's got some fucking shit. He's gonna blood magic fly across the Pacific. <laughs> yeah. Don't even fucking worry, dog. He's got you. Oh. Wait. Listen, this warlock, this is the warlock for international transportation. This yeah, guy yeah, right Yeah, you here, don't want the, the, that one over there. He's only for domestic travel, so you want to go talk to this one. But mm-hmm. you, did, did you bring a goat? Yeah, no, okay, no. You'll have to check that in comments. Listen, you want to get on the 407 ETR and you don't want to pay the extra charge? You talk to the <laughs> local local travel warlock. What is <laughs> That you know what uh, one sentence that's that's like the the kind of like dry humor that I got out of Shadow and Bone the new Netflix series based on the books of the same name. It was good. I'll pass. That's I don't need to bring it up next week. Well, fair enough. That's, that's glad we got that out of the way. The I guess passed on that. Got, got that off my chest. Fucking accomplished. Um. Well. I guess we should head to the shadow corner then. Give some some recommendations. I I can actually I'll actually leave this off this week. I'm not just gonna start out by passing the buck. <laughs> <laughs> um, I gotta break the cycle eventually. Uh, actually, and then talk. This brings us back around rather nicely to our, our talk earlier about the uh, video game rentals. Because one memory I have, particularly uh, as a stronger memory, being in because uh, when I was in New Brunswick as a kid. Uh, there was, they had like a video rental store that was like for like Rogers, but it was like a, a rental store that they ran, the telecom company. I don't know. But anyways, that was like the main video rental store when we were there. And they had this big screen that was playing this new uh, GameCube game that dropped called Custom Robo. And I was like, this, for some reason, I was like, this looks fucking sick as hell. I need to get this game. <laughs> So I like immediately rented it because I I was like I'm gonna rent something. I just happened to see that there. I was like, oh, this is cool. I'm gonna get that. 
uh and i it was like it, it really it was my first real like indoctrination to anything that was like a jrpg it, it's gameplay i would not say is especially like a typical jrpg it's not like a turn-based combat type thing but a lot of the story and everything definitely has like the hallmarks of a typical jrpg um it's pretty neat though because the whole premise is you basically have like a little robot and it's it's kind of like pokemon where you're fighting other people who have their own like you know little fighter thing that they're controlling to battle you with but instead it's little robots and you basically collect parts from battling other people to like customize your robot and trick it out however you want it to it's i don't know it's interesting there's a neat little bit of variety with all the different parts and ways you can kind of customize them out and uh a lot of different strategies you can kind of employ it's it's neat i would definitely recommend giving it a shot especially if you have kind of nostalgia for for that era of of games and stuff I mean, I guess for my recommendation, if you want, if you, like I said earlier, if you just kind of want to see, if you just kind of enjoy seeing birds uh, poop, on, poop on people, just search up like Seagull Laxative Beach Prank on YouTube. <laughs> oh, it's only like a, the first one you should pop up. It's like a minute bit long video. Oh, man. It's just a sick practical joke. <laughs> I love that. Oh, that, that's a really good recommendation. Oh, man. <laughs> Really uh, I'll I'll go because I went I went last last time. Um, I'm gonna kind of give a bit of a shout out recommendation to uh, the final cut of Disco Elysium, which came out oh. uh, last month. I knew like, it. I knew this was coming. It was either <laughs> this it, or like there was some news that uh, Outer Wilds might be getting uh, some DLC, which is one of those ones where I go like, oh, I'm so, I'm so happy, I'm so happy, I'm not gonna look up anything about it. If it comes out, I will get it and then go into it completely blind. But um, yeah, D Outer Wilds is my favorite game in the last decade, decade of the last decade. Disco Elysium is right behind it. Um, just such a like such a complex like such complex storytelling in that like it is a game if you've never looked it up in which you're it's kind of like an RPG in which you're playing a detective who has lost his entire mind, like his like all all context for the world his place in it his own personal history is just gone like wakes up after an like nigh apocalyptic night of drinking and drugs or several nights maybe and just like has no idea where who what anything but has to investigate a murder and it's like a wonderful RPG because rather than a standard one where, you know, you have like, you know, a standard RPG, you have your party members, you might have like, you know, your skills. Like I can put four points into persuasion, which will, aha, now that I have persuasion four, I can unlock this dialogue or like the Bethesda version, which is like, ah, dang, I needed 50 barter to talk to this guy at all. So Disco Elysium has a bunch of skills that are all like part of your character's inner dialogue which will kind of chime in depending on how high they are, like how many points you put into them. So it's like, oh yeah, if you put a bunch of points into empathy, then you'll get a lot of reads on people. You'll understand why people are doing certain things or why they're saying them a lot more easily. But Disco does a fun thing where if you have too many points in empathy, you can't stop feeling empathetic for people. You can't shut it off. You put too many points into perception, you can't unhear things like you're just picking up too much information. You put too many points into like some of the physical skills. Like you will like your character will want to do physical things more. Your character might 
only give you the option to break down a door rather than knocking on it. So it's got like a bunch of really cool systems. And the best part of it by far is just the writing. Like, and the final cut specifically of Disco Elysium um, fully voices all like, it's got like a million or so words of dialogue in the game. And now just about everything is now fully voiced. And the voice work is just fantastic. It's like a, just an awesome addition to what was already a fantastic game. And like, I, I, I really, really just love it. And it's the type of game that like, if you get into it because of the way that the skill system works and how you uncover things and like the mystery and trying to figure out the murder and all the other little bits here and there in this small town, like it's got tons of replayability. So I, I deeply love that game and I been watching a lot of people stream it. I'm going to be starting up a playthrough myself relatively soon. It is excellent. Uh, no matter what uh, our, our friend uh, pallet man might say, he is wrong. It is a great game. Really? That's he has negative things to say about that. I was describing That's... before one of our uh, tabletop games. I was describing some stuff about Disco to him, and he was like, "Stu, gotta say, sounds like the most the least interesting game I could ever play." And I was like, "No, what the fuck?" Heart. That's I okay, but I understand how you can say that but then also love tabletop rpgs because from what i've heard like that game and even from what you've described now but i've heard that, like the game basically uses like literal dice rolls for a lot of situations for like deciding if a thing is going to work or not like not maybe not necessarily treating it the same way but it's it's like from what i've heard it's very tabletop rpg like to a really oh, yeah. great degree so mm -hmm. i find that weird that he wouldn't be into that but all right. I feel, I feel like, in a tabletop RPG sense, I failed a role to convince him that it was a good game, and I have to deal with the consequences that I I, I rolled two die six and I, I I fucking came up snake eyes and failed it. Damn. And now he just hates it. Yeah. Well, I'll give you, Stu. You're you're really making me want to go and pick it up. So, <laughs> I I eventually I will. It's it's one of those games where like I know eventually I'm gonna buy it. I just haven't quite gotten to it yet. Mm -hmm. It is the second best game of the last decade. Narrowly behind Edder Wilds, which you should also all play. Oh, maybe I'll play when I'm done playing Outer Worlds. Especially because the Outer Worlds team hired the main writer from Outer Wilds. <laughs> which is now this like Ouroboros of who did wow. what where, how? Well, I will say, because we didn't you didn't touch on the Bethesda stuff, I will say definitely check out Outer Worlds too, because it, it is a it's very much like the Bethesda like Fallout games, but it's it very rightly is a, definitely a better evolution of like what like Fallout New Vegas was doing and kind of evolving in a better way from that than what like Fallout Four and well seventy six did. So what about you, Fly? Okay, um, I'm going to recommend the movie house i talked about it in the server a little bit earlier it was last week um house. it's a horror a thriller film about a couple that fled uh sudan and managed to make it to england um unfortunately when they were uh crossing the uh i think it's the british channel they're their daughter fell overboard and drowned and they 
they are um, settled in a, a home for newly landed uh, refugees. Um, and the on the surface, it's a movie about you know ghosts in the house that are spooky and scary, but it also talks a lot about the you know having the trauma of needing to flee from a war torn and um the difficulties of adjusting to a new country out of the blue um and like a lot of like there's a lot of horror and it also talks about like you know needing to adjust and how much you're willing to give up an old culture in order to adjust to the new one for life um and some of the horror was really subtle some of it was jumping sure but some of it was like really like subtle like there's a scene where the wife she's trying to get through a suburb neighborhood and when she takes a turn it's she's back where she started and she ends up getting lost in this neighborhood and she like it's you as the audience are with her and it's you feel so sure that she's taking the right turns and she's still trapped and you think like you know like oh like on the surface it's like oh ghosts are messing with her they're making her trapped in here but like it could also just be as simple as she's getting nervous and she's not sure where to go because this is a new country and she's never been in this and she can barely read the signs and she's getting lost so it's a lot of interesting horror where you might like it might just be them that are experiencing the ghosts because they are you know, literally being haunted by their past and their trauma. Um, so I personally really recommend it. Um, it can be as superficial as you want it to be, as just a simple jump scare horror film, or you can watch it for the extra stuff that's under the surface about um, about trauma and about uh, living with the ghosts that haunt you, literally or figuratively. So I super recommend it, and um, yeah, obviously. Yeah, that that the thing about the suburbs, like that's a very particular type of of being in an unfamiliar place. Fear that, mm-hmm. like, not not everyone has, but like anytime, like if you've ever been in, like, like I like there was a point where I was in like like Austria with a very like a phone that was running out of battery and I was like okay I have two choices one is wander for several hours to try to find the place I need to go to or two is do I chant using my phone and mm-hmm. being in an unfamiliar place with no frame of reference is can be terrifying absolutely and like and she didn't have a phone and it's it's so mm-hmm. scary because like and when she when she tried asking a group of teens where to go they just like they just messed with her and they're like oh no go that way oh no go that way and then she just ended up even more lost and she's like well i'm by myself exactly it's that type of really specific fear where it's like you're in a completely new neighborhood new country you barely speak the language and you don't know what to do it i i really enjoyed it for the very human fears but also ghost fears that the movie presents The human stuff, but also especially the ghosts and the spooks. I like it. No, it sounds like a really interesting movie. It does sound like I, a pretty interesting I have to movie. Check it out. Yeah, uh, it's on Netflix. Um, I recommend it. 
Cool. Well, you know what else did you recommend though? Checking out uh, the guy who does our intro and outro tunes, uh, Mr. Blackbird Bell himself. Yeah, good old Zoo. Check him out on SoundCloud, on Spotify, Bandcamp, and he's also on Twitter. Uh, we have a Twitter, Twitter as well. Too. Yeah, yeah. At Balcony underscore Banter. Good old, good old flies. Keep him, keep him that going. Trying to. Well, you're doing a good job. Thank you. I, you're, you're checking it more often than I am, I think. <laughs> so, but you know, we do, we do, we do the best we can. We got busy lives. We got day jobs. This is a, this is a side hobby. Um, yeah, I think that's gonna do it for us this week. Thanks for coming on with us again, guys. Yeah, thanks for hopping on. Yeah, no, thanks for having us again. This- pleasure to be here again and uh hopefully in 30 minutes when we record the next one we'll be uh just as energetic <laughs> and uh oh we can't you can't give it away yeah you can't fuck. tell them that <laughs> oh dang it Breaking dang it all the hell. secrets out you gotta scrap this one fucking can't have Stu on the podcast again because he came in with his fucking sledgehammer and just knocked the fucking <laughs> fourth wall right goddamn over <laughs> oh i'm kidding we'll have you on again for sure Stu. But anyway, wow. that's been episode 25 of Balcony Banter. Yeah, I've been Big B. And I've been Bias. We'll see you next time on the old balcony. Stay sexy, folks. See ya.